it's Wednesday evening. It's raining. That must mean it's time to welcome you to Hand of Pop. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 303 of the Internet's finest English language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome back, Andres. Thank you. We had a two-week break, uh, as I warned you we would last time we recorded, two weeks ago, because uh, it didn't really make very much sense to carry on recording when Argentina weren't in the World Cup anymore. We did the... Uh, Fallout and, and the post-mortem, let's say, on Argentina's uh, World Cup performance last time out. So if you're here for that, then I recommend that you go and have a look in case you didn't hear it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, go and have a listen to Hand of Pod episode 302. Um, but we are back now, even though domestic football is still three and a half weeks away, or well, three weeks and two days away, really, um, from restarting in the top flight in Argentina. We're not counting the Copa Argentina because it's too um, infrequent. We're back, thanks in no small part to the generosity of our Patreon patrons, um, whose donations allow us to keep going and give us some motivation to keep going and recording episodes for you, uh, even when there is no regular Superliga action to take place, and even when my cat is trying to climb up and attack me from under the table. Go away. Go away. Stop it. So thank you very much to Patreon patrons, all of you, and uh, if you want to become one, and you're not, ow, that hurt, get your claws off please if you want to become one and you're not then you can go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash hand of pod and sign up patreon patrons get um an extra episode after each hand of pod recording a, a very short one and um an extra one most weekends as well although i didn't record one this last weekend um after the world cup semi-finals and final because i was a bit distracted with other things Thank you very much to all of you. Big deal. If I were a, a supporter or a listener of Handball, I will no doubt will uh, pay that five dollars because it's cheap and sponsorship, and you get well. Uh, now you get a, a special episode, then there will be perhaps another surprise with that uh, uh, or another possibilities for supporters or and. and and sponsors, but uh, for now, it's a, I think it's a big deal. Indeed. Thank you for the uh, help with the publicity, Andres. Hopefully, those of you who are actually paying yes. it agree with no. that uh, summary as well. Thanks to you for that uh, week of holidays, uh, because we enjoyed uh, the rest of the World Cup, as you, as you have already said. Um, enjoyed, uh, especially Eden Hazard and his brilliant performance against Brazil, especially. Hmm. I don't know whether we were we were we recorded after that match between Belgium and Brazil. I don't think we did because having just had a quick look at my wall chart, um, Brazil went out on the sixth 
of uh, the current month, which is July, and we recorded two weeks ago, so I, th- I think the 6th was only 12 days ago, so I think we would have recorded before that. Well, uh, I, I was like, uh, really, uh, perhaps the match or the player I enjoyed most was him, uh, and anyway, I want to congratulate England for their excellent World Cup, unexpected semi-finals since it was a new team, new players, um, of course, thanks to Pochettino in part, but uh, uh, it was good to in, for for us to enjoy those matches. Uh, and I think France was uh, uh, they deserved the World Cup, but I enjoyed more Hazard and Belgium play than France. Mm. One of the questions that I'm not sure we've actually had, but that I certainly had, uh, it might have been asked. Yeah, I think actually it was asked by somebody last week and uh, sent in in preparation for this episode and we may as well tackle it now because we're going to spend the first half of this podcast talking about national team things even though we're not actually going to be uh, sort of as I say giving the post-mortem per se but obviously there have been other developments which uh, you've probably heard about in the meantime um, and one of those questions was the sort of mood in Argentina did, did it lift a little bit over Argentina's poor performance when it became apparent that uh, they had lost to both of the finalists yeah, no, that's a consolation prize. The, I think that we talked about a consolation prize before, and I think that is a very poor. It's a, a consolation prize, and that something that doesn't let you uh, measure and, and and see what what is really happening in Argentina in terms of football and the clubs and the players and the organization, of course, and the lack of projects. When when members of, or or board members or directors admit and and they are they agree with this that there are no no projects there are not anymore it's results it's coaches uh, adapting to an idea and to and to calling up players and playing and that yeah. and this is it so uh, it's not I don't agree any uh, 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 at all with that. Uh, Oh yes, Argentina weren't, weren't so poor because uh, they lost with to Croatia and, and France. Well, no, even having scored three goals to France when they conceded only four goals in the whole whole World Cup. No, until the Croatia match, I think. Then they they conceded two more. There was perhaps a little bit of black humour or whatever around it once Croatia beat England and people were going, "Oh, well, we weren't that bad." Uh, but it was very much more mocking than. Uh, <laughs> No, there serious, there yeah. were people uh, installing those that information, perhaps just to give date, data and not to uh, say that because of that Argentina were uh, well not that bad. Um, so yes, I I uh, think he, uh, finally at France, as I said, was deserved the, 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 to win the World Cup and, and well, uh, but my team. Uh, was Belgium in terms of, of of the way they played and how I consider a, a team should play uh, and taking advantage of the of the players to make a team. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it's difficult to argue with that. Really, they were certainly the best to watch. I think overall France deserved the title, um, but yeah, the, the the most entertaining side were yes. was certainly Belgium. Um, from Argentina's point of view, as I said, there have been developments since we last recorded. Last time we recorded, we were talking about the highly difficult situation um, that the AFA were in when it came to Jorge Sampaoli's job. We were saying that he 
was probably the best person to take Argentina forward. I think all three of us ended up agreeing on that. Um, even if the reason for keeping him, i.e. they couldn't afford to sack him, wasn't the right one, he, he was probably the best person to lead the project. And it turns out the AFA didn't agree with that. Uh, what has happened since then, as listeners of Hand of Pod Extra, i.e. Patreon supporters, um, will already have had a little bit of a heads up on last week, um, is that first of all, they made things very difficult for Sam Pauli. They took advantage, the AFA, of the fact that uh, he had quite, by some accounts at least, um, of journalists who claim to, or perhaps actually do have, sources in the Argentina camp during the World Cup. Um, he had quite a spectacular falling out with Sebastián Becasese, his assistant, during the tournament, and they were um, not really on speaking terms by the end, by some accounts. Um, the AFA took advantage of this to sort of drive an, a wedge in. They, they uh, rescinded Becasese's contract by mutual consent. Um, he was, at the time, talking, it was said, talking to one or two Mexican clubs and to Defensa Justicia, he has rejoined Defensa Justicia as their manager. He was managing them, of course, before um, San Paoli took charge, and he left them in order to, to join the AFA setup. Uh, we're actually watching his first competitive match back in charge right now, because Defensa Justicia are currently drawing nil-nil with El Nacional of Ecuador um, in the Copa Sudamericana. Is this the round of 16? It must be, mustn't it? Um, first leg in uh, Florencio Barrera. Um so once once Cese left and once a couple of San Paolo's other assistants left at the same time as Becasese, all by mutual consent, that obviously started to sort of uh, turn the screw a little bit on San Paoli. Um, there was then a meeting between San Paoli and Daniel Angelisi, the Boca Juniors president, and more to the point, the AFA uh, first vice president, and Claudio Tapia, who is the president of the AFA, um, in which it was agreed that San Paoli would uh, continue in his job in, as we were saying a couple of weeks ago, as we were hinting a couple of weeks ago, we expected um, a sort of austerity-focused um, uh, national team setup. If particularly if, you live, if you've lived in the UK for uh, most of the last decade, you'll be aware of what I mean by that. Uh, austerity is a big word there. Um, Here also, in yes, Argentina. absolutely, yes. And, and in Argentina as well. Um, and uh, this was something that, you know, we were told that, that San Paoli had agreed that uh, the youth team, which went to the tournament at La Alcudia, uh in Valencia, or just, just outside Valencia, I should say, uh, was going to be managed by San Paoli. Um, and he went back to them the next day and said he wasn't happy with that. He wanted to go as, along as a sort of sporting director figure and oversee the team, but he wanted somebody else to be managing it. And the AFA took that as the excuse that they needed to say, right, he's in breach of his contract, he, he's not doing what we had agreed to do, and they were able to negotiate that price down. The quote that we gave, the, the fee quoted a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned it was $16 million, that was for Sam Pauli and all of his backroom staff. Obviously, the price started to go down as soon as Becasese and the others started to rescind their contracts by mutual consent, and eventually, quite impressively, I think, the Apple were able to talk him down to, I think it was 1.39 million or something. Um, in a year's time, after the next Copa America, it would have gone down from, San Paoli's own personal payout would have gone down from about just over $8 million, I think if I remember rightly, to something like 1.8 or 1.5. So to have negotiated him down to 1.39, presumably on, on the 
you know, understanding that they were, if he didn't go, they were going to make things bloody awkward for him for the next year and essentially hijack Argentina's Copa uh, America chances. Saboli understood that uh, he was no more wanted there and uh, said that money was not a problem, uh, uh, contrary to what uh, was told before, that he will stay uh, uh, partly because he, uh, if he will will have been fired, he will have uh, have, uh, this... uh, uh, close, which stated that he he should uh, be paid one uh, eleven million dollars or, or mm. something like that for him himself. Not I don't mean the the also the the, the physios and and and, and, and that, but uh, he he smelled that uh, he he was not more no more wanted there and, and that's why he said that and that was another excuse for Afa to to sack him, uh, providing that he himself uh, was not uh, in his, on, his, on, a, on his position to, or in a position to uh, claim uh, for his entire contract uh, yeah. until 2022. It, it's a different affair in that it's made up of different people and it's a different structure, but it reminded me quite a lot of the way that Gerardo Martino um, was forced out uh, in trying to put together a squad for a youth competition in San Paoli's case, La Alcudia, um, and in the AFA's case, uh, in, in Martino's case, the, the Olympic Games, um, basically clubs refused to release players. Um, and of course, this isn't coincidental because the people who make up the AFA's board of directors are the club presidents. Yes. So if you want to call three kids up from Boca Juniors for this under-20 tournament and Boca Juniors say no, it's not a FIFA tournament, so they're not obliged to do so. Um, they're not obliged to let them go if they don't want to Um, then it becomes very awkward and what happened with Martino was that he ended up getting fed up and particularly with not having been paid for months as well remember Um, and he left Uh, he I think got a bigger payout than San Paoli has and got more of a payout that he deserved given that he'd gone unpaid for seven or eight months uh, by that point so that was the AFA breaking contract rather than him I think in the end um, but it was a similar sort of way of, of driving that wedge between him and and the uh, team setup, as it were. Um, and this time around, they've got rid of the man they wanted to get rid of. But who um, next? Uh, well, uh, the only thing we know is that for the under twenty friendly uh, uh, tournament, because it's not official or, or, or nothing to do with. Uh, uh, I think that. Uh, uh, it is it has to, has it to do with the Sudamericano that will be played next year, or I think they're taking it as a sort of warm up for the Sudamericano oh. Sub Veinte, rather than um, rather than a, a sort of official anything. No, it, it's it's a similar um, setup to the Toulon uh, tournament. It's not quite as famous, obviously, as the Toulon tournament, but it's that kind of thing—an international invitational youth. Um, yes. Thing. Well, what we know is that some uh, Scaloni will be the the coach there, as mm. uh, uh, and he will be joined by Pablo Aymar, uh, that at this moment is the under seventeen yeah. national team, along with Placente Diego Placente, which is awkward also because I, I don't think there are any players there, uh, even with the under twenty uh, uh, squad. There there are several problems because. There, there were ten players to for the training sessions with Scaloni, mm. as uh, Sampoli before uh, before Sampoli was fired, 
he uh, released a list of players to be called up, but the teams doesn't want to give up give up those players. So it's uh, well everything everything is like before, like you said, new AFA, but similar uh, ways of proceeding. So yeah, mostly the same. The the squad list was tweeted out yesterday. Uh, Finally, on, yes, was it was on uh, Tuesday, and I think that they're they are all going now. I mean, the main names in this squad list um, are. Uh, Agustin Almendra, the Boca Juniors goalkeeper, I guess would be one. Um, Francesco Lo Celso, who is not a player that I'm familiar with. I've not seen him, but not I mention him because he's, yes. he's Giovanni's younger brother. Um, Matias Palacios of, of San Lorenzo. Um, Andres Ashana, I think I've, I've heard of the Estudiantes uh, forward who's, who's coming through. Um, and apart from that, the, the, the biggest surprise, uh, I would say, is that there is one player there who is not playing in Argentina and therefore his club aren't obliged to let him go. Um, but they have done anyway. That is Inter Internazionale of Italy, um, who have allowed Facundo Colidio to be called Former back. Boca player, but yeah. uh, haven't, uh, of course, made his debut. No, indeed. Um, right after signing another promising young Argentine forward, but we'll get on to that in the second half of the podcast. Um, so I'm looking forward to, I assume that this, I don't know actually whether this is going to be televised or not, I would think say or somebody will end up showing it. Um, if it is, then I'm sort of looking forward to seeing some of these players, because they're very much players who are drawn from the reserve sides, not a lot of players who are actually playing in the first team, in part because this tournament's going to overlap with the, the start of the Superliga season in a couple of weeks, I think. But just before this collab was released, I, I read in, in La Nación, uh, I don't know, what, two days before or something like that, uh, saying that uh, Scaloni War was training with only a few players and that the teams didn't want the, uh, to give the, the players out. So mm. uh, it was all, every, again, a mystery. Uh, all, all, all of was a mystery only two weeks before the tournament starts. Um, so we, we have to see minute. By minute, what happens next? Yeah, indeed. Um, as for the main national team, there have been some names banded around already. I don't think the AFA are in a particular rush to get their new man. It's not as if Argentina are playing a friendly next week or anything. And that's probably just as well, because it might be a while, because we're once again now back in the situation of a bunch of sort of dream candidates and some candidates who actually, like they might stand a chance of signing. And they're two very different lists. Uh, there is one, perhaps, who, at least from outside Argentina, looking in, people might think falls somewhere between the two. So the dream candidates, who've already said that they don't want to work with this AFA, uh, or who would be far too expensive, um, are Diego Simeone, about Letico de Madrid, who said last year when the job came up, uh, shortly before San Paoli was, was appointed, that he wasn't interested in working for, for the AFA at this stage. Mauricio Pochettino, who of course signed a new contract with Tottenham just before the uh, World Cup started and therefore has a crippling buyout clause, as if it wasn't already crippling enough from the AFA's point of view. Um, and he's closer to being the uh, England national team yeah, like coach than Argentina. I was unaware of those and then I, I saw an interview with him during the World Cup. I, I, saw the, um, I don't know when it was recorded, but I saw it during the World Cup. Um, and yeah, I think that would be really interesting. Seeing an Argentine manage England, I'm all for that. Yes, that will be awkward also, and, and not very. There aren't any any previous uh, situations like that. But uh, 
he's he's loved in England. He, yeah. spe especially for Tottenham supporters and, and, and well players also. Drinking mate and being like uh, well uh, uh, like showing gratitude to, to 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 the coach who made them be in a, in a, in a such important tournament like the World Cup because uh, Gareth Southgate the, the the coach of England uh, talked about the, especially I think it was it was not only that but he talked about the physical preparation of those of the players that. Uh, Uh, were given by Tottenham like Trippier like uh, well Dele Alli of course yeah and I doubt um, that that's coincidental with the fact of course that Pochettino played under Marcelo Bielsa um, for Newell's old boys when, when Bielsa's uh, managerial career was young ooh that was almost spectacular defensive was DCA inches away from an opener just there um, you know he, I, I'm assuming uh, well in fact we know now that, that when Bielsa takes over he's, he's quite big on conditioning I'm assuming that he was right from the start um because I'd, I'd be surprised if that's coincidental. Um, but yeah, so that, those are kind of the two main dream candidates. Um, the more prosaic and realistic ones might be Matias Almeida, who has recently, uh, I think it was in May, I, I should know because I didn't yes. watch the second leg of the final um, on a two-hour delay because it wasn't shown live here, but it was shown shortly afterwards. Um, I think it was in May, won the CONCACAF Champions League with Chivas, Uh, in Mexico and then stood down as manager so he's currently a free agent um, same as Gareca yes Ricardo Gareca who has left Peru after this World Cup was an, another one who might be mentioned um, and then there are the dream candidates who might fall somewhere between the two one of whom is Marcelo Gachardo who is the player I was referring to the player the uh, <laughs> manager who I was referring to uh, who from outside Argentina people might think well why is he a dream candidate he's surely not unattainable but from inside Argentina it's not quite that easy and part of that is down to AFA politics uh, River who Gachardo currently um, works for uh, don't let's say get on politically with the people running the AFA at the moment it might be worth remembering that um, Rodolfo Donofrio the River president was one of the main not the absolute main, but one of the main um, drivers behind the, the other group um, when Claudio Tapia was, um, was voted in as president of the AFA. It was Donofrio who was on the side of Marcelo Tinelli and Matias Lamens of San Lorenzo um, to, to try and get them sort of installed in power instead. In fact, River is not present in the meetings that the AFA uh, and the presidents of the clubs meet And there is no river presence there because, mm. well, they are not including the uh, Comité Ejecutivo. Uh, it's like the meetings in which the presidents decide things that has to do with the organization. And yeah, exactly. And therefore, River would um, would make it very difficult for the AFA to take their manager off them. Um, Gachardo himself doesn't seem to be uh, that bothered at the moment. I mean, I'm sure he'd love to manage Argentina one day, but he doesn't seem to be impatient to do so right now. Um, so th that makes him a more difficult candidate and the other who I think really is ooh, almost another goal with a deflection but uh, not quite still nil-nil um, who I think really is is not so much a dream candidate but it sounds so pie in the sky and then you think well they're talking about it a lot maybe it could happen is the idea of Jose Pekerman coming in Uh, he is still contracted to Colombia at the moment, just to be clear, which is why I said you know, I think it's more on the dream side, but it might be possible. Um, but coming in as manager 
in Spanish, not manager in English. The difference being a manager in Spanish is more equivalent to a sporting director kind of figure to oversee the national teams. In I can't really quite work out why that would be significantly different to Juan Sebastián Merón's current um, role as sort of secretary of national teams. But I guess if they want a sporting director, that's somebody who's a bit more hands-on and, and they want him to oversee the youth setup and everything as well. Why Veron isn't doing that at the moment, apparently. I don't know. Um, yes, but he he's still with, uh, uh, well, linked or uh, with the contract uh, with uh, the Colombian national team, but uh, it will um, expire in August. So that will be a problem in terms of Pac-Man being free next month. But uh, the problem is if he's really uh, uh, keen on... on, on on being a national team's director or, or sports sporting uh, secretary in these conditions, under these conditions, since we have to remember that he has gone, uh, he has left in, in 12 years ago or so, uh, when he was 50... F- From Argentina? Yes. Yeah, 12 years ago, after the 2006 World 50-something years, years old, and now he's 68. Hmm. And he's older, of course, and, and when he left, he was tired of a lot of things. So, and now <laughs> those things, there, mostly. Yes. Yes. So those things are, are quite similar. So why would he now uh, have that energy when he's older? Hmm. Another figure, no more youthful, really, than Beckerman, um, is Alejandro Sabella. He, he's the other person who's been mentioned as this possible manager, um, if they can't get Beckerman who I guess at least might work with the AFA, but, but he has seemed to be quite happy uh, away from football since he... He has, had, uh, he has had some problems with health, uh, yeah. health problems, so uh, with his heart, uh, ca- uh, cardiac, well, heart problems. Uh, so I, I think that, well, a, a lot of people or some people could say, well, look, Tavares, uh, Oscar Washington Tavares, hmm. being the coach of Uruguay, and perhaps on a wheelchair or not being very healthy and finally he's there but it will be very difficult because he there will have to be a meeting and, and Sabella uh, knows again how AFA is working uh, so it's, it will be again very difficult for me yeah but that idea of Pekerman as, as sporting director and somebody like Gareca uh, as manager of the first team um, is is one that is at least taking hold in the media, and it's what we hear Angelisi um, and Tapia like the sound of. But to what extent that's just because it's what the media fancy is really difficult to tell now. Um, you know, they, they they turned on San Paoli so quickly after appointing him and saying he's the best manager in the world. We're giving him a four and a half, five and a half year contract um, because he's the man to take Argentina beyond this World Cup, regardless of how they do. Um, then when Argentina don't do well, they sack him straight the, away. There is something which I don't say I agree with, with Tapia and the rest of the AFA uh, directors, which is that there shouldn't be any hurry to hire uh, a manager or a coach since it's not the most important thing right now. Mm. Uh, as Neri Pompido, that now I think he's the coach of, of Patronato de Paraná, uh, said that you need a structure and then add a, man, a, a coach there to, man, to, to work with that stru- structure, which is, of course, something uh, obvious, or sounds obvious, but not here in Argentina, like you said, off the record. 
uh, and uh, then uh, that manager. But uh, here it's like, who who will be the next coach? Is the like the the question that we hear a lot. Um, well, and I think I mean it's it's one that they probably want to get wrapped up sooner rather than later when a couple of the potential candidates are currently free agents. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise you if after the way that Peru played. Uh, for instance, if, if Gareca is going to be getting some phone calls from other teams at some point. And so if they do end up going, right, yeah, if Gareca's the man we want, they're going to need to go in for him. For example, I'm not saying that he's the, the favourite or that he's their favourite or anything, but I, he, he's one example. Um, you, I guess you want to appoint him sooner rather than later, whoever he is. Um, but, yeah, it, it's there is still a lack of a plan, as we have yes. been saying for Seven and a half years on this podcast, and uh, Afa is, is to to prove that Afa is not in a hurry with the, uh, this thing of the coach. Is that uh, there will be some FIFA dates after the before the, the the end of the year, and I think they will play against Guatemala. Uh, oh, really? Or something uh, like that? Where Salvador to, um, was? I'm just going to Google that actually. Oh, I don't remember whether it was Guatemala or El Salvador or both, and the. Clásico de las Américas against Brazil, also. But uh, they are like uh, looking, or, or, or uh, perhaps they will decide to not to go to any of these friendlies uh, if there is not a coach to to uh, sit in the in the bench. Oh, you're quite right. Yeah, at the moment, then, uh, well, it's not been officially announced, but they do have confirmed, as you say, a friendly with Guatemala on the 7th of September in Los Angeles. Um, and then... Oh, tickets are already on sale for that one. Oh. Los Angeles-based Hand of Pod listeners, if you want to try and get it and hope that it actually goes ahead. Um, and then apparently, yeah, on the 11th of September, they're going to be playing in New Jersey against Colombia. Which is going to be rather a stiffer test, I think it's fair to say. No offence to any Guatemalan listeners. Um, that looks like it. Yeah, there's nothing here about the Brazil friendly, is there? But then in October or November, yeah, as you say, there are two more double FIFA yes, and uh, rounds, and it's likely to be one of those. There's nothing. They were thinking on perhaps if there is, as there are no, uh, I mean, uh, of of course, not official as they are friendless. Uh, to not to go there uh, if there is not everything in order with the coach and that so that proves that really they are not in a hurry yeah absolutely um, anything else to mention national team wise AFA wise um, I mean AFA wise yeah. there is the, the, the Superliga structure and format and some jiggling about with Lower divisions as well, but we'll talk about that after the, the break when we move on to the domestic football bit. Um, the Copa Sudamericana is not domestic football, it's continental football, and it has restarted, as I said already. Copa Argentina has already started. It has, yes, it has. Not started, it's continued. Mm. Uh, Lanús beat... No, Lanús beat Junior, but on Copa Sudamericana. Yeah, yeah, that's, yes. that's what I was continuing with. Yes. Uh, last night, uh, 1-0 against Atletico Junior, I'm... Didn't see most of the game, and I'm slightly surprised they managed to win, given the team that Lanús put out. We're going to be talking about why Lanús' team was was quite as uh, weak or below strength as it was uh, after the break, because we're going to go over some of the main transfer news of the last few weeks. Um, and in the Copa Argentina, the main news 
from recent matches has been that I'm trying to remember who it was Vélez Sarsfield were eliminated um, after a shootout of kicks from the penalty spot um, 4-3 by Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero was that last night or two nights ago uh, Monday? Last night, yes. Yeah, no, it was yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, it was on Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yes. Um, so they become in uh, Copa Argentina. I think this year has already seen a few surprises, hasn't it? I'm trying to remember back to before the World Cup. It feels like a million years ago, but Racing, Racing has gone out of it. To Resistencia of, of Chaco. Yes, well like remembered. Yeah. Yes. Um, and there have been one or two other less spectacular than that one, but uh, one or two other uh, surprises. San Lorenzo beat Racing de Cordoba one only one nil, which was of course. Uh, a match in which San Lorenzo continued playing not that well, but well, they they finally defeated Racing de Cordoba and advanced uh, with Ariel Rojas. I don't what I don't remember whether he was in a certain lineup, but the former River River Plate uh, midfielder finally played for San Lorenzo. Ah, right. Yes, that was on Monday night. That was the that one, wasn't it? Um, other result. I'm just doing the Google result here, and I don't think I can move back down the rounds. No, I can't. I can't see the previous rounds. Oh, yes, I can. Just scroll up. Huh. That's easy. Uh, that's right. Chacarita got, got well bit. I knew there was some Superliga side who, who'd been thrashed at some point back in March uh, by Deportivo Maipú. Um, Argent- no, that's not Independiente. Independiente, is it? Did Argentinos put actual Independiente? Arsenal had lost to Chipoletti, which is not a surprise because... Uh, it's Arsenal, Ar- sorry, not Arsenal, Arsenal, but uh, against Chipoletti. Yes. From Rio Negro. Belgrano lost to Platense, the 20th of May. Platense that has already mm. uh, been promoted to the National B, also, Primera B Nacional. Yeah, and uh, yes, they, they've got here Argentinos 2, Independiente 1. But given that Independiente of Avellaneda are playing on Friday against Central Ballester. That's obviously a different Independiente. I can't remember who it was, but it's one of the Independiente. Uh, from Chubut Chaco, I think, or like Chubut, that. because it's CH there. Yeah, could be either one, couldn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's not very, not very helpful. Um, anyway, we're going to take a break, I think. We've had 35 minutes. We've pretty much exhausted the national team, apart from what I'm sure are going to be a few listeners' questions in a bit. Um, when we come back, we will go into the transfer window, uh, the main movements in the transfer window, at least, and fill you in on some of the upcoming bits and pieces of proper football returning, as Defensa Justicia very nearly score again. El Nacional's goal is coming under heavy bombardment with five minutes of the first half left, uh, but there's still no breakthrough just yet. Don't go away. had a bunch of questions tweeted to us over the couple of weeks since we last recorded um, as I said during the first half of the podcast a few of these were quite similar Matthias Silberstein uh, or Silberstein Connor Gallagher um, and somebody else where is he Lawrence Hart uh, all mentioned that Argentina lost to the two teams who ended up in the World Cup final 
They had slightly different questions, but essentially all the same question. Connor says, is there any possibility that this will lead to calmer heads in making decisions in the next few weeks? Uh, this was on July the 11th, so before Sampaoli's um, sacking slash mutual resignation um, had gone through. Kit McConico says... Oh, he just said thank you for having the pod and all the great English language Argentine football content. You're welcome, Kit. Thank you. Uh, Matias, there we are. I had scrolled past him and got mixed up there. Um, said, Do Argentina, does Argentina take any pride in losing to the two finalists? Would a different draw have seen them go further or would it just prolong the inevitable? Um, sorry, what ifs are all I've got left now that the World Cup is almost over. And Lawrence Hart said, I expect it's already been noted that the two teams that beat Argentina at World Cup are both in the final. Maybe Argentina weren't so bad or is that glossing over the truth? So I think Lawrence and Connor's questions are quite similar. Um, I think it is glossing over the truth a bit. Obviously, Argentina went out to the team who ended up winning. They lost quite heavily in the groups after, it has to be said, only really um, the last sort of 35 minutes of that match against Croatia. Croatia were on top. Argentina were largely on top until that point. And then Willy Cabachero gifted Croatia the first goal and allowed them to counter-attack, uh, as we said at the time. Um, but... No, I mean, the problems that Argentina had on the pitch were problems that we had been telling you all about for a couple of years during qualifying, um, before San Paoli came in, and then after San Paoli came in and, and refused to address them, or, or failed to address them, um, however much he was trying. So I don't think necessarily that, as Connor says, that it should, that it would, I certainly didn't think it would lead to karma heads, I wasn't really sure that it should either. I mean, yeah, karma heads would be good, but... I don't think that because Argentina lost to the two finalists was the yeah, reason. The, if you see what I mean. The dream that Argentina had uh, during the World Cup was keep kept based on miracles, uh, not on football, or, or I mean, not with arguments or by facts that had to do with the team, how the the team played, uh, because they they got a two-one victory in the 87th minute or something like that against Nigeria. With the goal by Marcos Rojo, who weren't uh, uh, his original position wasn't of, of a striker, <laughs> and scored the goal as if he were a striker. Yeah, that is like a summarizes what Argentina was in the World Cup. And and there was a sort of lack of teamwork throughout. I, I think I, I saw certain parallels with England, partly in that at least going forward, what both teams lacked was a creative midfielder. Yeah, Banega yes. stepped up eventually, uh, you know, for one match with Argentina. Um, but what both teams lacked really was a sort of a, an advanced playmaker. England would have been a lot better to watch and, and who knows, I, I think would have been um, a significantly better team. And as it ended up happening, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, but they might even have gone all the way if they'd had that missing link. Um, and Argentina lacked it for sort of different reasons. But Argentina also lacked a couple of other things that England did have, which was a sense of, of the collective and of getting at least the basic things right, whether that's in defence or even going forward and knowing that you're not particularly great, um, just 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 doing those things right. And that's a way to get over a certain hump. And I thought yes. England getting as far as they did was a huge surprise. I couldn't believe that I was watching my country in a World Cup final. I never thought I'd, I'd do that. <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed it in spite of, I, I didn't expect us to win the semi-final sorry I said World Cup final a second ago didn't I I meant semi-final I still never thought that would happen um, I enjoyed watching England in the semi-final in spite of the fact that as soon as we qualified for it I knew that, Colum uh, that Croatia were going to be favourites for it um, but 
throughout, I had the impression of England, which is... How can I put this? England were going to lose to the first sort of really decent team that they came across, let's say. I was surprised that that wasn't Colombia. But that was more than anything because I was surprised that Colombia decided to spoil it rather than play their own game. I thought if Colombia had done that or if Hamas had been fit... Um, then Colombia would probably have, have put England out at the round of 16. Um, but England were going to lose to the first sort of really decent team they came across, whereas Argentina were going, in my opinion, were going to lose to the first halfway decent team they came across. Um, and it's not because England were much better than Argentina, it's because they had much more of a team ethos, they were much more together, and, and they were concentrating much better on getting the basics right. Um, and it seems really strange to be saying that England at the moment are better at football than Argentina. But in most of the bits that matter, because it's a team game, um, they were th- this year. In spite of the fact, obviously, that they wouldn't have got anywhere near as far as they had done. if But for a couple of bits of luck and for being on the easier half of the draw. Um, so when... Who is it? Um... Matias says, would a different draw have seen Argentina go further or would it have just prolonged the inevitable? I mean, I, I think that the example of England is, is makes it undeniable that probably if Argentina had got into the other half of the draw, they could have gone further. But to do that, to get into that other half of the draw, they needed to win uh, the group that Croatia ended up winning. And I'm not entirely convinced that Argentina would have got past Russia. Yeah, for instance, it's um, not nothing in the quarterfinal. It's no, uh, I mean, it's nothing. Wouldn't be surprising. And uh, as while while collective play is, is having more and more uh, place today and every day more even more, Argentina is looking for another Messi. Mm. And and this no, there are no there are no Messi. So uh, the only Messi we have is thirty one years old and. And we don't know how how many years he will be at the uh, level that he could uh, uh, play in national in national team. Even now, it's not very easy. For, it's not very easy for him to uh, have that uh, dribbling that or with that easy in, in the easy way he had before or yeah. some years ago. Particularly when none of his teammates are prepared to put in the hard work to give him the space. Um, to operate in and and as I said, directors admitting that there are no projects, there are no possible projects. So they are saying this, and and are they are not uh, uh, red faced when they say it. They say it because as it if it were the best thing. Yeah. So uh, I don't think there will be a very bright future for Argentina even when they play lose against the the, the World Cup champions. Indeed. Um, more questions I'm scrolling up we've had a lot of mentions in the last couple of weeks it won't surprise you Brandon Pichon says do we know when the fixtures for 2018-19 will be announced when he asked this question on the 12th of July six days ago the answer was no but now the answer is yes we do at 12.30 Argentine time that's 12.30 midday although I wouldn't put it past them to do it at half past midnight, um, on Thursday. So, in other words, by the time this podcast is uploaded, very probably, um, the Superliga fixtures, at least the first round, will definitely have been announced, and I think that they're going to announce the whole thing at once. Um, 
we do finally have some idea about the structure as well. It's going to be everybody against everybody else once. So the same structure as last season, but obviously with two fewer teams. Uh, there is going to be a Copa de la Superliga. That's a Super League Cup. So the Superliga, because there are only going to be 25 rounds of fixtures, and I think they've realised, A, that that's not enough <laughs> football to call, to, to call yeah. it a full season. And uh, B, and probably more importantly to the Superliga, that people are going to cancel their um, television subscriptions or the, or the paquete football, uh, 300 pesos a month, if the season ends in April, then then they're not going to, you know, as nobody did this 330. time as well. 330, no. I'm assuming everybody with any sense just cancelled the... Yes, sorry, you're quite right, 330 pesos a month as, as of, what was it, about May or something. One more dollar, it's um, Everybody uh, just, just cancelled it for the World Cup because why would you keep it when there's no football on? Um, so the season, the league season looks set to end in April and from that, from April to June, there is going to be a knockout competition called the Copa de la Superliga. Um, <laughs> I was reading this in La Nación yesterday and they said it's inspired by the Capital One Cup in England and I was like, no, it's not because that's not the same thing it, it involves more than just the Premier League clubs um, but it's going to be a knockout competition I'm not sure how you do a straight knockout competition with 26 teams because in the second round you're going to have 13 sides and how do you get straight knockout out of that so I'm not really sure what the format is I'm not sure when they've thought about what the format is but there is going to be a knockout competition from April to June to decide a champion of the Copa de la Superliga and then there's going to be a Super Cup between the winners of the Superliga and the Copa de la Superliga um, in order to keep people interested, I'm guessing. Even then, I've got to say, from like the quarterfinals, let's say, it's going to be four matches for one weekend, and then the semi-finals will be two matches. You're going to end up with like three weeks during which it's going to be seven games over the course of three weekends. I'm probably going to just cancel my paquete football for that last month if that happens. Uh, who's going to pay yes. 330 pesos for seven matches when we're paying it for 13 games every single weekend for the until then in the season? Well, there there was a, a fight last weekend in which an Argentinian was involved against Pacquiao, and the price yeah, for a, a that boxing, movie for that boxing yeah, yeah. No, for, not not somebody just beating someone up in the street no. <laughs> uh, for that boxing event was 150 pesos, and it was a single event. So uh, right. perhaps uh, we are we have to be used to. Well, single events and the price higher, high price for single events, perhaps. Mm. And no doubt the Paquete football will have gone up again by March or April next year to 360 pesos or 390 or something, because that's, that's how Argentina works. But anyway, the answer to Brandon's question, which we did quite a lot more than answer, uh, was, yes, we do know when the fixtures will be announced. It will be probably before this goes online. Um, you can, we'll probably be able to check my blog if I remember to, to put something up on it um, and if not then I'm sure that myself or Peter or Dan or all three of us will tweet a link to those questions if nothing, uh, to those fixtures if nothing else um, we have a couple more I'm scrolling back up again through several mentions uh, Luis Pesone doesn't have a question at least not in this tweet but he does have a very nice comment he says I've been listening to Hand of Pod for years now since 2012 I can honestly say that number 302 was the best I've enjoyed them all usually listen on runs and this was an educating absorbing entertaining and enjoyable listen greatly appreciate this podcast thank you very much indeed for those lovely words Luis I'm going to retweet that now because I just remembered I retweeted it from my account but not from the Hand of Pod account um, so thanks very much for that Luis um, 
more questions. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. We're getting back up into the last 24 hours now. This is exciting. We'll have some soon. Mike O says, How long do you think it will be before away fans get banned again? To which I replied to him on Twitter, We have to wait for them to be unbanned first. And he sent me a link, which I had not seen, which went up yesterday evening. Um, which is that away fans are going to be allowed back into Superliga matches this season. I've since done a little bit more reading. Um, and it's uh, inspired by the fan ID that people who travel to the Russia World Cup had to take out in lieu of a visa. Um, the Superliga and the government and the AFA have come to an agreement that away fans are going to be allowed back in to certain sta- some stadiums. Sorry, I was halfway between saying certain and I decided to switch it to some and it came out a bit weird. To certain stadiums. Um, none of the big five are going to be taking part in this so that you won't see if you're coming to Argentina to watch a match and you go to see Boca or River or San Lorenzo or Racing or Independiente, you will not have the pleasure of Unless seeing Unless you are a, uh, I know, you're a, a, an English guy that you are a member of River. Well, yes, you will be able if you come here and you are a member, oh yeah, but I mean, if you go to, to purchase, one of those, if you yes. go to one of those stadiums, you're not going to get the benefit of seeing away fans in the ground. Yes, that's right. For the atmosphere is what I was. Uh, that's what I meant to say. Um, but the other clubs, or nearly all of the other clubs, anyway, are going to be allowing in away fans who have taken out this fan ID. Now, I was reading a piece in La Nación a couple of days ago. You might have worked out by now that I spent quite a lot of time on the La Nación sports site. It's one of the better ones, even though I don't agree with the politics of the main newspaper. Um, I was reading an, an article a couple of days ago which was making the point that during the Russian World Cup, you know, fans had to fill in, I don't know exactly what details, but they had to fill in personal details um, in order to qualify for these fan IDs that were used, as I say, in lieu of a visa to travel to Russia for the game. And what's Russia going to do with the information that has been harvested from these fan IDs after the World Cup? And they were saying, well, we're not going to do anything with it. But of course they're going to say that. Uh, The fact is you've handed over a bunch of information. Um, So whether... I mean, I kind of doubt it, given that information theft and um, identity theft and whatnot, it's not tended to be as much of a live issue in Argentina as in... I have to phrase this carefully. Let's say more developed countries um, as it has been uh, elsewhere. But um, you know, I, th- I think there, there, there's a question there. If it works right? properly, uh, you will have to give information, and from that information, they will not, uh, notify or notice whether you are a Barra Brava hmm. or you are a, a, a normal supporter and, but, and can and be allowed to purchase tickets to go and watch your team in a way condition. The thing that I don't get is that, so first of all, already, unlike in, as far as I'm aware, the United States, certainly unlike the UK, um, so, you know, the, the majority of our listeners are from those two countries and, and therefore won't have much of an, a, a concept of um, an identity card. But in Argentina, we as residents all have ID cards um, registered with the government. And I'm, I'm struggling to see why they want you to register for another form of identification. When the... I, I, as regular listeners are aware, I, I go to fairly few matches these days. Um, but the last few that I have been to, I had to show my DNI on the way into the stadium. And that's what the police use to check your criminal record. So if they're doing that 
to matches where there are no away fans or to Libertadores matches. I went, I went to the first uh, game of Lanusa's Libertadores run last year and, and had to show it then. Um, to Libertadores games as well. You know, if, if they can use that to check your criminal record, which of course they can because that's the whole point of the card, why do they need you to register on a different website and pay money for another card? You know, somebody's ma- it's either somebody's making money from this. Of course, somebody's making money from this. This was the whole conspiracy behind the AFA Plus um, thing, which never ended up getting off the ground after loads and loads and loads of people had paid a hundred pesos each when a when a peso was was worth a lot more than it is now a few years ago um, to get these things. Then the scheme never ended up being launched, and it turned out afterwards that this was a bunch of people who were running it who were mates with the. Uh, with Grandona, yes. um, there or, were even Grandona's sons or something. Even tri- there was even a trial peri- period in which you had to put your mm. finger, and and it was like a technology or a system or an app that showed whether you were allowed to get into the stadium or not. Yeah, um, and so all of these ID card systems, are, I'm sort of suspicious of them and, and the reasons behind them, and I don't like them. But away fans are going to be allowed in for some reason. They're not going to be allowed in just with their DNIs because although the government and the police and everybody know exactly who the Badrabarabas are and are going to let the Badrabarabas in anyway. Um, they have to pretend not to. And if they can do that while taking money off people and taking a little bit of privacy away from people, um, then all the better. How long will it be before they're banned? Again, we'll see. How long is it going to be before another policeman shoots an innocent away fan? Because that's what kicked off the whole band to start with, remember. Not the Badrabarabas, but a policeman or killing someone with a rubber bullet. What what we know is that uh, there were five years in which there were no away fans except for the neutral fans mm. in some stadiums. Um, that uh, uh, five years that this was decided, and and now is the moment in which they they are trying to get the, that away fans away fans to, to the stadiums. I think that because of the TV. And not because they are sure that they can do this, because I don't think there were a lot of things changed that changed from 2013 to now for this to 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 be done. Yeah. But they has to do with more with, uh, uh, of course, to sell the rights uh, to 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 perhaps other countries. Yeah. Or other the international rights is the main thing, yes. right? Because people know the broadcasters are aware that a match looks a lot more attractive if you have that back and forth between the different parts of yes. the stadium as well. Um, Ronnie Mazunda says, top five exciting signings for you guys from the Argentine Primera. Superliga is now called Ronnie. So far. Also a speculation on Peque Mangarica and Almeida as new managers. Well, we've sort of covered that bit already. Does the AFA have any plan for the long term? I think we can cover that one yes. really quickly. No. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to pretend they have, but No. Um, he also asked, I thought Veron was in charge. Well, as I yes. said earlier, I'm not really sure what Veron's supposed to be doing if they're now thinking of bringing in Peckerman as this sort of overseer. Um, so who knows who is still in charge or looks for the future of youth development. But the signings is a perfect excuse to leave the questions to one side. Oh my word, that was a good save. The second half of Defensive Justicia versus El Nacional is now on. Um, and we have just seen a save that if it had been made in the World Cup, Andres actually didn't see it because he wasn't looking at the television. Uh, that's one of the saves of the World Cup mm. if it's made in the World Cup which it wasn't watch this look at this yes with his trailing leg that was brilliant from a header from a corner um, but Ronnie's question gives us a perfect excuse to take a small break a short break from question asking um, or question answering or question talking about 
um, and go over some of the main signings. Peter, who is on Twitter as Golazo Argentino, has got a very good page at the moment on his website, which is golasoargentino.com. Um, which, just like mine, is a Spanish-language title, but an English-language website, um, in which he is uh, summarising all of the main transfer stories using clubs' Twitter accounts and whatnot. So I went over that in combination with uh, the Spanish-language version of Goal.com this afternoon and drew up a sort of list of some of the main moves. So the main moves, we'll we'll try and give a top five in a little bit, but the main moves that I noted down are... Mauro Matos and Juan Mercier have both signed for Atletico Tucumán, which I think are good signings for Atletico Tucumán. Newell's old boys have, first of all, they've brought 85% of Luis Leal, who was on loan to them before from I can't remember who, um, and looked fairly ordinary for them for most of his spell last season, but played a couple of matches in which he looked like literally the best striker in the world. So that one could go either way. The joyous news is that Luis Leal is Portuguese. Uh, He has been joined by a fellow Portuguese speaker who's from... Guinea, Pardon? You mean Setrubo? Yes, I'm trying to remember where he's from. Guinea-Bissau. Thank you. Or I don't know how it's pronounced in English, but... Um, Yeah, Guinea-Bissau. Guinea-Bissau. It's the same, thank you. Uh, Who is called Zeturbo. Zedi, space, and then the word turbo. Uh, he's he's joined Newell's old boys. It, this looks like a magnificent signing, purely because of the name, as uh, English Dan quite rightly pointed out when it happened on Twitter. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Uh, sorry, but this this opens another subject. Uh, I I don't want to talk a lot about this, but this has to do with European teams that buy players because they want to buy players cheap cheap players, mm-hmm. and then they get rid of them and they give it, give them a loan and yeah. and. Because Seturbo, the transfer, or at least, at least he, his owner was Inter. Yes, that's right. He's been signed on loan, I yes. think, hasn't he? I'm, I'm, I'm Googling him very quickly now. Um, he is... I know he's been... He's not on loan, apparently, according to Wikipedia. Uh, he's, he's, it's a permanent signing. Yikes. Uh, but yeah, you're quite right. So Inter signed him in 2015... And he's not played for them. No, they loaned him to Tondela and then to Marbella in Spain and then to Catania where he played five games and then to Olganense in Portugal uh, for the first half of this year. And now he's signed for Newell's. So I think that that proves that, of course, there are a lot of great players and the best players playing in Europe. But there are another players that you you, you say, oh, he's playing in in Europe. And that doesn't mean anything in some cases because... uh, as, as, for example, Colidio from Boca to Inter, and he hasn't made even his debut in first division. Mm. So uh, how how you can measure that in terms of oh he's playing for Inter, but uh, I think they are both in a cheap on a cheap transfer uh, for for them to see whether they, he can they can introduce him into the first team, and if not, they give him on loan. But the interesting thing with Zetorbo. And I am only looking at his Wikipedia, so as I say, when, when we say that he's been signed permanently from Newell's, um, that might be, you know, wrong, um, is that apparently when he signed for... So first of all, he's only 21 now. So when he signed for Inter in 2015, uh, he was... 18? Yeah. 
18 years old, and they gave him a release clause of 45 million euros at the age of 18. So it's possible, in fact, that he is being loaned from Inter now, and that they just want him to get a little bit more uh, continuity in the team. Because while he's been on loan, let's see, Tondela in Portugal, seven matches. Marbella in Spain, 13 games in, I don't know what uh, division Marbella are in, but they're certainly not in the Primera. Um, Catania in Italy, five matches during 2017. Olianense in Portugal during the first half of this year, as I said, 12 games. So that's a little bit more. So they're possibly hoping that by, if they are, if, if this is a loan from Inter, yes. um, then, um, that only Newell's going to be playing him more, more often because as, he, he's still young, so yes. he might turn out to be really good. Uh, but you never know. Um, but that's the best name anyway, at least of anybody <laughs> who's been signed. Boca Juniors have been very busy indeed in the transfer window. They want a goalkeeper still. They have been going for goalkeepers of varying amounts of realisticness. The most obvious one of whom was Sergio Romero, who is not going to be signing for Boca Juniors. Um, it looks like Mariano Andujar is their current target, but if you come back in a few days' time, they might very well have switched again if they can't get they, him. They have, again, they, they, they had a discussion, a discussion some time ago in which Angelisi uh, tried to sign Nujar and Verón was like uh, pissed off because uh, they insisted in Sitan and Verón said that he they wanted to give to give didn't want to give Andujar to a, a rival which mm. which is Boca and uh, like the relationship was broken or, or they they had a, like an argument and now again it's and, and they 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 first it was said that they were looking for Ospina, which I think is smoke. Yeah. Uh, then Guzman, then, well, again, I think Marchesin or, or even Rulli. Uh, all, all, of course, they are great goalkeepers uh, that uh, could, could, some of them even even won in the World Cup or, or at least called up for World Cups. But uh, they, they, they are like, uh, and I don't know how Rossi feels with this. But they are well, looking desperately as. Apparently, Rossi is not best pleased with it all. Um, yes. I, I can perfectly well see why Boca would want an upgrade on him, uh, but it is unsettling him. And if they don't end up replacing him, <laughs> then it might not be the best. Oh, they—they they, they don't want my, me to be the goalkeeper, but I am the goalkeeper. Mm. Precisely. Um, Boca have also, of course, as we mentioned on the last episode, signed Maro Sarate amid quite a bit of controversy from Vélez, more because of the way that he left Vélez than because of uh, anything that Boca did themselves. Um, and after signing Maro Sarate, they have sent Walter Bow out on loan to Vitoria of Brazil. Um, Vitoria de Bahia, or de Salvador. Um, Christian Pavon has also signed a new contract. I think we mentioned this last uh, yes, two weeks ago. I can't remember. Million. With a 50 million euro release clause. Uh, moving on to Argentinos Juniors, they have the, the most noteworthy uh, of their transfers was that Nicolas Gonzalez has been sold to Stuttgart for 8.5 million euros. They have brought in uh, Junior Benitez, formerly of Boca, um, on loan from Benfica, who I think could be a really good signing for them, given that yes. I think the Argentinos last season, they, they look fairly organised at the back, if I remember correctly, but they just lack that little bit of spark going forward. And similarly, Raul Bobadilla, or Bobadilla, because he was born in Argentina, um, the Paraguay international, has joined Argentinos uh, from Borussia Mönchengladbach. I'm a little unclear on whether that's a loan or a permanent <laughs> signing. But I think that, that could be a really interesting one. Um, Racing have sold um, 
what's his first name? I can't remember. I just wrote the, the last name, but Musso, the goalkeeper. Juan. Juan Musso, thank you. Uh, he's been sold to Udinese. English listeners, this will be interesting for you. He might apparently be loaned out to Watford um, for the season, because of course they're owned by the same people as Udinese. Racing have also, obviously, replaced, uh, well, replaced, no, they've sold Lautaro Martinez to Inter. That was, um, there was some hope among Racing fans that he might not go until December, uh, but that uh, transfer has been um, confirmed already, and indeed I was watching him earlier, because Inter's uh, friendly earlier today against Sion of Switzerland uh, was televised here. Um, he scored in his first match, his first friendly, so not really his first match. Um, he didn't score today, they lost 2-0, but uh, he is now already playing in, in an Inter shirt. He has been replaced. I think English Dan couldn't make it to be here today, but I, I'm pretty sure he'd be happy with this. So it's about as good a replacement as they could have hoped for, because Gustavo Bo has rejoined Racing from Tijuana. Um, I mean, as I say, that, that, that that's as good as you can hope for, right? If you've got to let a player of Martinez's uh, quality go. On Twitter there was like a of course, uh, in in like homage to to Bow when he started scoring goals after uh, be having a not very great and uh, ha not having a great beginning of uh, at Racing, uh, like trying to put Bow in another player's name, and it was Gustavo Bonaldo, for example, <laughs> like yes. something like that, because uh, he was great at, at the moment, and now of course Racing fans and of course the English done too. Uh, have a lot of uh, hope de deposited on him so it's going to uh, be interesting to see how it goes yeah. um, the El Nacional goal you might have heard Andres just pause for half a second that was because I silently reacted to something that happened on the TV El Nacional's goal in this match is living a charmed life seriously uh, Defensive Odisio just I think I, I wasn't sure whether it hit the post or took a big deflection or something but I can't believe that they're not 1-0 up yet um San Lorenzo have signed Ariel Rojas from River. Uh, they've signed Pablo Moche from Palmeiras, which is an interesting move, given Moche is... Um, I, I always say whenever Moche goes anywhere, this could either go brilliantly or but it could go dreadfully. Palmeiras, who was playing at Barfield? Apparently. He, oh, they hit the post. Or was he on loan? Been replayed. Apparently, it must have been on loan, because according to goal, uh, he's joined from Palmeiras. Yeah, and that defensive was DC a chance was against the post rather than a save. Oh. The goalkeeper was rooted to the spot. But Leandro the National has, has hired Courtois and we didn't know. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Leandro Romagnoli has retired. He is now yes. San Lorenzo's sporting director. He's no longer a player. San Martín de Tucumán have signed about half of the signings in total in the transfer window this summer. None of them. I went through the whole list of names and I was like, never heard of him or have heard of him, doesn't really seem very exciting, but I just thought I'd better mention them because they signed a lot of players. Santiago Silva has moved from, was he at Venice? Or wherever no, he was Tacheres. from. Tacheres. Tacheres, well done. He's, he's joined Team Nassia again, he's now 37 and he's still playing, and he's probably going to score loads of goals again this season. Tomas Konechny is not one of the bigger transfers, in my opinion, during this window, but I thought we'd better mention him because he has moved to the United States, where a lot of our listeners are from. He joined Portland Timbers. I was asked about this a couple of nights ago on Twitter, and I said the same thing, in fact, that Mariano said um, when somebody else asked me about Konechny last week, and I said, well, Mariano's seen more of me than him, 
more of him than me, I should say. Uh, so he'll be able to give a better opinion, but I don't. Uh, I think he's sort of promising but inconsistent. Uh, Mariano said straight away, San Lorenzo aren't going to miss him at all. Um, he's been really frustrating. He, he's not a bad player, but he's not that good either, basically. Um, so he so, will be uh, teammate of Diego Valeri, I think, from yes, Lanús. I think player. you're right, yeah. Um, so Portland fans don't get excited. But then, again, I was asked about this last night on Twitter. And from the reaction that, um, that, that that my tweet got, I don't think too many Portland fans are getting excited about him. They're aware that they've signed him on a free transfer, I think, or, or on loan or something. Um, so, you know, they're, they're not expecting him to be the next Ezequiel Barco. And they certainly shouldn't be. Edgardo Balsa, former Argentina manager, has joined Rosario Central. I think we mentioned that at yes. the time. He was, of course... Um, the manager who took them to the Copa Libertadores semi-finals back in 1990. You will remember something that I mentioned last year uh, and the year before when he was appointed Argentina manager. Balsa is the only manager in the history of the Copa Libertadores to take four different clubs to the semi-finals. Central were the first one he did it with. Paolo Ferrari has retired. Matias Caruzzo has joined from San Lorenzo. That could be a decent signing because I still think he can do a job at this level. For Lanús... Uh, Lucas Muñi, remember him? Yes, that really good player. half season from Colón, the playmaker. Yes. And uh, Matias or something like that, Pereira Diaz, uh, have joined Lanús. Sebastián Ribas has joined last year's... Um, I think he finished his top scorer in the end, didn't he? In the Superliga. He scored 13 of um, Patronato's 26 goals, anyway. Um, Ivan Marconi, Herman Denis, Neuen Pass and uh, Roman Martínez have all left, either because they've retired or because they've gone to other clubs. Lanús played last night, and as I said, it, it was a fairly weak lineup, and I was slightly surprised when they got a 1-0 win in the end over Atletico Junior. Um, they had a bunch of these new signings that they've made ineligible last night, but I mean, even then, they're going to have a really, really young midfield this year, and it's going to re- take a lot of players stepping up. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how Lanús do. They're going to be prioritising the Copa Sudamericana as well, particularly if they get through this this tie. Um, from from, yes, from Liber, Libertadores finalists last year, it's really difficult to work out how they how they're going to do it. And and they suffered uh, this uh, having to play such early because uh, that that players have have signed the very very uh, I, I I mean. Uh, it wasn't a lot of time since they signed those players, and now they they have to play against Junior for mm. for Copa Sudamericana. So they will have to adapt to the team, and well, what what happens all the time here in Argentina that they don't have time to 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 have training sessions with their teammates or new teammates, and, and now they have to play an official match like uh, Copa Sudamericana. So yeah, and as I said, even then a lot a lot of the players weren't even eligible for it uh, last night. They hadn't been registered in time. Um, Defensa Justicia, as we already mentioned, have Sebastián Becasese back as manager. Jonas Gutiérrez has re-signed from them. That's the main name for our English-speaking listeners. Obviously, a few of you are Newcastle fans and will be interested to hear that. Uh, or Norwich fans or whoever. Um, and Aldo Civi are the only other club who I thought had made a significant bunch of signings. And that was not to do with any names. It was just to do with the quantity. They've basically signed everybody who was available who San Martín de Tucumán didn't sign. Um, so that's that. So top five signings, as Ronnie says, to go back to the original question. I'm going to go for Zetorbo to Newells, purely for the name. And because apparently he's looked quite lively in pre-season friendlies. Uh, so if he actually turns out to be any good, that would be brilliant. 
Um, as I said when we were reading them out, Raúl Bobadilla uh, for Argentinos, I think, should be really interesting. Gustavo Bow of Racing, Ariel Rojas, I think, can still do a job. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, River didn't want to renegotiate the contract with him. I can see why he wasn't first choice. I can see why River would let him go, but I think if he gets a run in San Lorenzo's team, he can still do a job um, at that level. Um, and then probably Mauro Sarate or Rivas, Boca. Or, yeah, or, or Rivas at Lanús. Um, I think both have... are, are the two who are sort of competing for that fifth place. Boca have got a really scary forward line because they've got Dario Benedetto coming back to full fitness, of course, after that long-term injury uh, last season. Um, Mauro Sarate. Uh, coming in as well it's going to be interesting to watch the next question is from Miguel who I think is a first time question asker so welcome Miguel to Underpod he says obviously no manager yet but what do you guys think the Copa America 2019 squad will look like and will Messi even be in it to the second question I would say I think he probably will be because whoever the new manager is it would take a very brave manager to leave him out um, Unless he resigns and this time seriously, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, if he retires from yeah. international football, that's another matter. What what will it look like? Um, unless another injury happens, I would think Sergio Romero will be Defensa Justicia have scored at last. Uh, as I was saying, that one nil with a very nice finish into the bottom corner from number twenty nine, and number twenty nine is. I'll just bring this up on my screen. One of the substitutes. I think. Yes, Nicolas Fernandes. Um, well done, him. Uh, I think that straight away, it, assuming Romero is fit and that he remains the starting goalkeeper, that immediately gives Argentina a much better chance of doing something than they had this time. Because as I said before, I think one of Sampaoli's biggest mistakes uh, during the, the World Cup campaign just gone was not waiting for Romero when Romero said he was only probably going to be fit in time for Iceland. Um, beyond that, you would expect new names in various positions. Mateo Musacchio, I apologise, I've just dropped something on the floor. Mateo Musacchio, um, for instance, would be one of the names you'd think could come in at centre-back, perhaps Santiago Ascasiba in midfield. Also, could be Pesela or Mamana or um, Can- uh, Kahneman was also mentioned. Mm-hmm. There, Because clearly there were problems in the World Cup with uh, that position, uh, as not having... Uh, if in the first time it will ha- it will be Fasio, then uh, apparently uh, there were well, problems with Fasio, who became father in the middle of the World Cup. I don't know if that had to do with that, but uh, Rojo as not being uh, his uh, uh, centre back, but he was very very or very most used to to be a, a left back. Yeah. So there were problems there in the, in that position. So uh, yes, I expect a, a, a new name there. And some of them, of the, of the ones who, who uh, that we mentioned. So. Yeah, of course, Javier Mascherano and Lucas Biglia won't be in it because they're both retired from international football after yes. the elimination at the World Cup. Um, so midfield is, is the area, I, I think it's the area that most needs some renewal. And it's the area that is most going to see it because the two people who've really held down those spots uh, more consistently than anyone else in the last couple of years have both... Uh, left the team of their own accord and that I think is going to prove to be I don't even know whether the the correct phrase would be blessing in disguise because I don't think it's that much of a disguise I think a lot of people are going to see that as a blessing Uh, beyond that 
it's still a year away and we don't know who the manager's going to be. And then the only name that appears as a really new player is Kasibar, as Karnavita uh, was already uh, called up and apparently wasn't... Uh, well, I, we are talking about Sampaoli's taste. Mm. Uh, perhaps if there is another manager or coach uh, like Peckerman, Almeida uh, or Gareca or whatever, uh, they reconsider calling up Karnavita again. But if not... It's only Ascasibar there. Uh, Paredes was, al was also called up and didn't satisfy the, the well, San Paoli's uh, uh, taste or well, uh, didn't uh, wasn't uh, convinced with some with Paredes' uh, uh, level or, or performance. So uh, that, that that will be another problem or. Uh, that won't be easy independently of the coach that is there to build another another or different midfield as mm. even when Machano Miglia perhaps was obvious or, or we we all thought that they would retire from from national team to cover that space with new players. Yeah, one of the reasons they were the obvious pairing was that yes. no one else was really stepping up and making the position their own. Uh, you might have just heard me give an oof while Andres was talking then. Defensive Justicia now 2-0 up. Cristian Almeida scoring with the deflected shots with 13 minutes to go. So they're looking in a strong position against El Nacional. Uh, Tariq Al-Haida has a very simple question. It is, why are the AFA the absolute worst? To properly answer that one, we'd have to give you a brief recap of every single public institution in Argentina over the last 200 years, Tariq. Um, basically, I would advise everybody, I suspect that Tariq already knows this because he's been a very long-term listener uh, and he's asking it more rhetorically than anything, uh, I would advise everybody to listen back to Hand of Pod's back catalogue of episodes. There are 302 of them to, uh, to take your pick from. Um, th there is no accountability. There is... There's an agenda absolutely everywhere you look, and there is no real seriousness um, in terms of uh, of how to do anything, you know, because they're, they're not just awful at organising the national team. You know, that's only one aspect of Argentine football. It's local championships and everything as well that, that, that don't get done properly. Um, so, yeah, there are too many reasons to enumerate in the answer to one question, I'm afraid, but hopefully... Um, you will forgive us for not doing so. Matthew Lothar has a question which I find interesting. And I find it interesting because it's a question that César Luis Menotti asked in public the other day. Why hasn't Guillermo Barros Esqueloto been in the discussion for the vacant national team manager's job, despite his record at Lanús and Boca being quite successful trophy-wise? Menotti asked it the other day, as I said, and I couldn't help wondering particularly in combination with the fact that Gasharado has been very heavily mentioned and the already, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the fact that River and the AFA don't get on that well, whether some of this was a sort of hint at the idea that maybe Boca don't want to lose their manager, but they wouldn't mind River losing River's manager. Um, and therefore... Angelisi going, you know, sort of having it put around that, well, Gasharado is the name that we're thinking of. And funnily enough, nobody in the quite Boca-friendly affair, this is obviously a bit of a conspiracy theory, um, is talking about poaching Boca's manager from them. Um, as I say, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory, but at the same time, 
you know, you're talking about a, ty- a team who've won both of the last two league titles, a manager who has got some pretty obvious um, tactical shortcomings, in, in my opinion, but who is undeniably a very good motivator of players, um, as he has had to be to, to you know, talk Boca into, you know, almost against their will, winning the first of their two championships. Um, and then the, the second largely as well, plus the one that they won, um, what was it, three championships ago when Carlos Tevez came in halfway through the season and, and sort of dragged them over the line. It would not surprise me if there was some politics involved with this. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we're two River sympathisers, so it, it, it might, it, as I said already, it will sound a little bit conspiratorial to say it, but I don't think that that's an entirely ridiculous uh, thing. And it is a question that I can understand Matthew asking. I don't think that Barros Echelotto would be as good a manager for Argentina as, as Gachardo might be, uh, particularly given Gachardo, um I think I'm on record on this podcast as saying, if I'm not, then it's certainly something I've said to other people and I'm about to go on record as saying it. Um, I wish that Gachardo would take the league more seriously. The, the bit of me that is a River fan wishes that anyway. Uh, I find it quite irritating the way that he pretty much gives it away every single season in order to focus on knockout competitions. But as a knockout manager, Gachardo is undeniably, uh, his record's incredible since he joined River. Yes. I think um, that... And in those terms, you know, national team football is very often knockout football. So I can understand them maybe looking at him more in that sense, but I can't quite understand why everybody is so quiet about the Barasek-Gelotto link. I think that, yes, uh, and Gachardo has proved to be also, I don't know if it's a great motivator, but uh, to build teams with a very, very strong mentality uh, in and perhaps not very... Uh, not great in terms of the play, or, or, or you watched a River game and it wasn't, oh, what a magnificent place, or what a great team, perhaps, but you knew that River will, will perhaps eat up the other team and, and they will uh, will press high in, in, or, or, or in all of, this, of the sides of the pitch, and and, and that, that was something that was especially great from him. Mm. In, at some point, perhaps now it's that is not uh, just uh, uh, well that the team that he he used to to drive to the to the titles in and, and and especially in a short period of time, and I think that Guillermo had uh, more in, in in that team that won well a team that won a lot of of, of matches in a row in the, in the in the uh, Superliga and won two titles also in a row. So I I, I wouldn't see a lot of differences in terms of the teams from Gallardo to Guillermo Barros Kiloto. You could like more one than the other because of the styles of them, even not only of the teams, because of the teams, but also the way they talk or the way they 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 uh, they get they they. Get the team and, and and the players and, but uh, I I agree with you in terms of the uh, perhaps Afa are looking the, the, or or I mean the uh, Boca friendly Afa doesn't want that the Boca manager to be in the in, in the national team and that they and the and Angelisi and, and and Boca have to be being obliged to to look another for another manager mm-hmm. that has to do perhaps with the with this question. 
And just to reiterate, we are aware that this sounds a bit conspiratorial, and we're aware that we normally yes. scoff at conspiracy theories. Um, but politics and the AFA are very much something that happens, yes. and uh, with the current AFA board, um, it does bear asking why is the the guy who's won the last two league championships not even being mentioned in relation to the national team job. River in English says, I would like to hear your views on River and where they need to strengthen in this transfer market. You might have realised when I was reading out those noteworthy transfers a few minutes ago uh, that none of them involve River Plate because River haven't signed anyone. In fact, River's most noteworthy uh, involvement in the transfer window has been the sale of the Uruguayan left-back Marcelo Saraki to Red Bull Leipzig. Hmm, just said the name then. RB Leipzig, sorry. Ras, yes. Ras, Raspul Sportverein, I think they're called in German, actually, because they're not allowed to be called Red Bull. Um, but franchise Leipzig, basically, uh, for about eight and a half million euros or something like that. Um, I think that a lot of it has to do with... Uh, Gachardo seems fairly sort of calm about it, and I think the River did most of their heavy transfer yes. lifting, let's say, in January, rather than right now. Um, with Lucas Prato coming in, with obviously Franco Armani coming in. And I think the River are fairly well set and that they don't want to sort of disrupt the squad by bringing in too many more names now. I do think that they need to replace Saraki properly. Um, Milton Casco is not <laughs> at the same level. Um, well, it, but beyond that, you know, I, I think that the upturn in River's form after the Supercoppa win, of course, over Boca... Um, was was fine and, and that it, it points to a fairly promising season if they decide to take things seriously. Um, well, it, it was suggested, suggested that Machado could cover that position. He did it in, in, in only a few games uh, as he's like a fireman mm. because he plays... I think he has played... Utility player. In uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, except for a striker and goalkeeper, he played in, in I think... Uh, uh, all of the positions that you could play, and even as a as a left back, I think that against Boca in in at La Bombonera when um, the with Saraki, I think he was, get got injured, mm. or or well, I don't remember whether it was him or Casco the one who left the pitch and and, and Machada had to go there. Uh, and he did it well, but it was only a couple of matches. Then Nahuel Gallardo has been promoted to first division, yeah. the son of Gallardo, of Marcelo. But he's only a kid, and and he played against Tacheres in the former, in the in the previous uh, Superliga when River lost four 0 I think. Yes, that rings a bell. He, he he played one match at least of that yes. season, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and but yes, with the sell the the, the with, when Saraki. Was sold to the Germany to Leipzig, the one that you, you mentioned. It's like they took back the money that they had spent with for Prato, uh, mm. similar similar sum of money. So now they they tried to, or at least they they asked for Olasa, the the Uruguayan, also Uruguayan, uh, of course, similar yeah, to Saraki. Yeah. But uh, I they thought it was expensive, and now it's linked with Boca. Mm. Uh, who he, they had already Emmanuel Master, but they want more players and to have more competition between them. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I saw a, a, another story on some website, I can't remember which one, pointing out that uh, Tigres' um, president is apparently quite friendly with Angelisi, and while they were asking for 
something like $8 million to Selang uh, Olasa to Tigre. They are apparently prepared to loan him to Boca. Uh, so again, conspiracy theories are never very far from the surface here. Yes. Uh, Stephen Hooley says, Do you know what the objective is with the Superliga and what format they're aiming for? They have had a European League of 20 before and they scrapped it. Does the objective change with the change of personnel at the AFA? We can answer this one fairly conclusively and fairly simply. Um, they are aiming to bring the Superliga down to 20 or 22 teams in the next couple of years. That's going to happen by relegating more teams than get promoted into it. There are 26 this season that's about to kick off, remember. Uh, they had a European League of 20 before and scrapped it, although you mean a European-style league, everybody playing everybody else home and away at one championship. That was in the 80s. Then they had two halves where everybody played everybody else once every six months and had two championships per season. Um, but that's sort of what they're aiming at again. Whether there are going to be two short championships or one long one uh, where everyone plays everyone else home and away over the course of a season, we don't know, but that is the aim. And the objective hasn't really changed from that in spite of the changes of personnel at the AFA in the last few years since Julio Grandona's death. Uh, the plan has always been to, to shrink it down, so that's one thing at least that everybody at the AFA seems to be able to agree on. And anyway, if there is, there is a 20-team tournament... Uh, they will need to have another cup or another Supercopa as they will have to cover more games to satisfy the the needs of the co of the broadcaster because uh, again like you said 30, 30, 330 pesos to have only a couple of matches or or but a single but I mean I, I would think that if the if it gets shrunk down to 20 or 22 teams then that's when they will move to having two rounds of ah, games yes, everybody playing be. everyone else twice in the season Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, Are River going to A. Sign someone, B. Keep Quintero with the links to Tottenham, and C. Get a shirt sponsor after the BBVA deal ended? Let's take those in order. Are they going to sign someone? Eh, we'll see. As I said, a left-back, possibly. Elsewhere, Gachado doesn't seem too bothered. Keep Quintero with the links to Tottenham is a very interesting question. Because he's just had a fantastic World Cup in which he was the only one of Colombia's two playmakers who actually managed to stay fit throughout every game. Which is somewhat surprising when you bear in mind yes. the physical state of him when he signed for River a year ago. Um, he seems to be happy here at the moment. He tweeted something earlier today, or possibly put it on Instagram and it got retweeted by somebody I follow, uh, saying that he was back in a, a, a home. home. Yes. In, in, in my house, he said, yes. um, whilst uh, it, it was a picture of him training in Orlando Stadium in Florida, so I thought he might have possibly got a bit confused there. But he definitely is trying to say that he's happy at River at the moment. Um, if he joins Spurs, it's going to be very interesting. To, he's a player I'd absolutely bloody love to see in the Premier League, I have to admit. And I know that Tim But Vickery, who was raving about him even before I was, uh, when, when River first signed him, and of course he's a Tottenham fan, Would also love to see him playing for them. But I think that Quintero uh, published this of how I am at home and that because previously he had been interviewed by a Colombian uh, newspaper or you know, radio, I think, in which he said that his dream is to go back to Europe mm -hmm. and and this, of course, made River supporters to well have some fear of Quintero leaving. Particularly because he was only on loan, but I think yes. River have now made the transfer permanent, haven't they? Or they were talking about it because yes, they made Armani's. Yes. They gave Armani a new contract right before the World Cup and upped his release clause, yes. and then they were talking uh, in the few days after Argentina went out to the World Cup about doing the same thing with Quintero, uh, or possibly after Colombia went out. I 
can't remember. Apparently, River uh, has priority to sign him or to buy his his transfer. Yeah. It's three million euros or dollars, which should sound cheap after his world the World Cup he has played. But I don't know whether Porto is insisting with this with the transfer to Europe. What, what happens there? Because apparently River has priority and they will uh, have decided decided to 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 buy him. Define. Uh, I mean, by his transfer, but I don't know whether if if Porto insists insists and and wants Inter to go back to Europe. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm just googling now. It seems unconfirmed at the moment, so it doesn't look like River have actually finalised anything just yet. But certainly, that's what they're aiming to do. Um, Yusuf Amin says, "Which club has had the best window so far? Feel free to disregard if you haven't caught, caught any transfers." Um, I would say, of the ones that we read out earlier, I think Boca, as I said, have strengthened their attack really well. Um, and Lanús have sort of signed a bunch of players who could go either way. I don't think anybody has had a really outstanding... You know, like a year ago, we were going, oh, well, Boca clearly have the strongest squad. Um, they, they've made some really fantastic... I don't think anybody has, has had as good a window as, as Boca did last season. Um, if... River can somehow keep Gonzalo Martinez, who is being very heavily linked. Yes. Uh, he's only got a 15 million euro um, release clause because he refused to uh, up his, his sign a new contract earlier this year. Um, if they can keep Martinez and Quintero, then I would argue that they have had a good transfer window in spite of the fact they haven't signed anyone. Um, but otherwise, I think it's been much of a muchness. Tom Robinson says, whatever happened to Musacchio in relation to the national team, he's surely worth another try. Also, which youngish centre-back should be blooded so that there isn't such a lack of options in four years' time? I would say Musacchio should be one of them. Um, any others? Yes, the one we mentioned before, uh, uh, Musacchio, well, Mamana was injured just before the World Cup, but he should be also taken into account. Also, Pesela, that has had any, uh, some chances, but finally wasn't there in, the, in, in Russia. And, well, Kahneman... Uh, I mean, the work uh, in the center backs. There are names of center backs that could uh, be recalled because, for example, Funes Mori also got injured and then he could, they, he couldn't go get back his level. Even he was signed by Villarreal. Mm. He has moved from Everton to Villarreal in Spain. Uh, so we will see there what how how comes for him. Yeah, uh, Luis Pesone says not that it matters now. And if it's too much of a pain in the ass to do, please skip. We'll, we'll try not to. But assuming Sampaoli had not been required or were not required to take any specific player to Russia, what would have been a starting eleven most suitable to his presumably preferred 3-3-1-3? Yikes. Okay. Very difficult. Let's try and do this. Off the top of my head, I would, I would have thought, first of all, as I already said several times in the last several episodes, I would have kept Sergio Romero and, and waited on his fitness until the Iceland game. I'd have had him in goal, if possible. Um, a back three, I think you'd have had to look at... I mean, as we've already said several so times, really, there's not exactly an embarrassment of options, but... Yes. I mean, do you want to chuck a few names out? Uh, well, he has uh, tried... <laughs> But uh, the players, again, like like they did with Sabella, uh, stated or said, uh, somebody that they weren't comfortable with the, that uh, three defenders line. Yeah. But uh, he 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 would have played with Salvio, perhaps then Otamendi, and in the other side, perhaps 
Tagliafico. Or possibly uh, Mercado instead of Salvio. Yes. Uh, on, on the right of that. And, and Salvio and uh, perhaps uh, Acuna in the other, as a line of, of the midfielders. I'd, I'd have tried that with maybe Mascherano, given that Mascherano went to the World Cup. I mean, yes. uh, maybe Mascherano playing in really deep midfield and sort of told him to drop back so that you can kind of get a 3 3 1 3 there while making the players think that they're playing a 3 3 2. Sorry, a 4 3 3. You know, by, by telling Mascherano to sit nice and deep. Um, the one is the tricky one. I would have called up Lavena, personally. I thought he, he looked decent. He looked in good shape towards the end of the Premier League season last season. Um, with then Messi on the right, Aguero in the middle, for me. Some people might say Cardi, some people might prefer Higuain. Not very many, but some might. Um, and then another on the wide left, I don't know who. Um, but yeah, I mean, something like that. But it, the defence is really you know the problem. That's where Argentina need to start bringing players through. And central midfield is a major issue yes um, F95 Digest says your thoughts on Argentinos new signings and their potential roles next season I think we sort of gave a very brief overview of them already I think Nicolas Gonzalez uh, is, is going to be a loss for them but Junior Benitez and Raul Bobadisha coming in yes because Lucas Barrio has, uh, has left mm. yes of course he has yeah. where's he gone remind me I know uh, I think he ha- he was on loan and and he had a clause that he could leave, so I don't I don't know whether he left, but uh, uh, in his contract it was stated that he could he could leave uh, Argentina. He's gone to Colo Colo. Oh, Chile. again? Yeah, he's back. According to Google, uh, Sean Allen Lee finally says, "Your thoughts on Peckerman as general manager, and who would be ideal to coach the team beneath him?" Thanks as always for the good work. I think if Peckerman is up for it, and if he's still got the energy for it, then he's a good decision even though I suspect that the AFA are going for this because it's the popular choice and the media are all clamouring for it. Who would be good to manage the team uh, below Pekerman? Unemployed managers right now are Almeida or Gareca. The ones who are now available. I mean, uh, with no any jobs yeah. uh, right now. I thought yeah, Gareca could be an interesting combination. The, the footballing philosophy lines up quite well with with Peckermans, at least, you know, the way that he had Peru playing. Um, it would be an interesting one to see, I think. We've also had a question from Ese Todoriki via email. He says, which team in the Superliga had the best summer transfer window, in your opinion? It's uh, winter down here now. Um, I got slightly confused when I was reading that up. Um, I mean, you know, we kind of answered that one a, a minute ago as well. It was us already, wasn't it, really? But maybe Boca, but no one's really had a sensational one, I don't think. And SA also asks, are you looking forward to the Argentina under 20 in La Alcudia? Maybe. As I said, I don't know whether it's going to be televised, so I don't really know whether it's worth looking forward to. It'll be interesting to hear about it. Poor, poor players that have to go there and yeah. try to, to play. Uh, with, with everything that's going yes. on around them off pitch. It's Yeah. Um, and he says, what's your opinion on Argentine youth development? Has it got better or has it declined in recent years? Well, what Bergman agreed, uh, sorry, achieved in the 90s and uh, after, also after that uh, was to, that you knew the players that were uh, named in the under-20s and then were the base of a, of a national team in the major uh, national team. And that's something that it was left, incredibly left, 
and now other teams, other nations are are doing that. What Argentina did 20 years ago with, yeah. with Peckerman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so uh, of of course I think that it decreased and it, by non there is no uh, upgrade uh, in 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 the develop of of the of the kids and the and the players that are are even le have even leaving the the are teams in Argentina to go uh, ab abroad with no experience and, and and you don't know anything about them. Mm. So yes, I, of course I think that it decreased a lot. And and there's an interesting sort of semantic difference there as well. I think between production, which Argentina obviously remains good at, and development, which it quite manifestly is not very good at at the moment. Uh, but that is probably a topic for another day and for a podcast which we haven't already recorded an hour and a bit of. We've had to cut a couple of um, uh, bits here because the batteries ran out at one point, so we had to record a bit again. So I'm not sure exactly how long we've been recording for, but we've certainly been recording for long enough. Yes. <laughs> um, so for now, I think we're going to say goodbye. We'll, we'll of course, uh, record a little bit in a couple of minutes. God knows what it's going to be about. For those of you who are... Um, Patreon supporters, if you're not already a Patreon supporter, then one last reminder that you can become so at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hand of pod. Um, if you give us more than five dollars a month, you will get those extra hand of pod extra episodes um, once or twice per week. For now, though, thank you very much to everybody for listening. Uh, for promoting us, for uh, raving about us to your family and friends and to people on Twitter. It's greatly appreciated. We're delighted to be here. Thank you for listening to us for a 303rd episode. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me. Goodbye. <laughs>